advantage of the day. When you get an opportunity in this game, you make a play. The playmakers on three. One, two, three. Touchdown, Kansas City. The Chiefs are right in the thick of it, baby. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to this edition of Defending the Kingdom. Mitch Holtis with you, the voice of the Chiefs, along with the man that we call the shop, the barbershop, the Spider-Man himself, Sean Barber, number 59 and number one in your heart, 59 in your program, and also uh, senior team reporter with us, Matt McMullen. On this edition of Defending the Kingdom, we're going to have a little bit of fun. Now, you played in Philadelphia for Coach Reed. I got you, yeah. And what was that like? I mean, it was amazing playing for Coach Reed. Um, uh, the the one time I can remember Coach Reed actually talking directly to me was after I think I gave up a block punt. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, Barber, what team are you playing on? Ooh, As I oh walked no. to the bench. And I was like, golly. Uh, you know, I kind of pissed him off a little bit. But other than that, he was a phenomenal head coach. Uh, he always set the, the direction of the team was known since day one. Every every My two years in Philadelphia, I, I, attending training camp, he laid out the the plan, the game plan, the GPS for our team, um, how we were going to get to the playoffs, what route we was going to take to get there, the the attitude of the defense and offense. Everybody in the building knew exactly where we were headed at all times, and I think he's just carried that here to the Midwest. He can melt you like butter without dog cussing you. He's, <laughs> I've, I've sensed that uh, just a little bit. Like, he, oh, man, he's, he's disappointed. Uh, but playing in Philly, so – we got a little Philly special here, with all due respect to yeah. Super Bowl 52 and, and uh, Nick Foles, former chief backup. Uh, we got a little Philly special going on here. But, uh, Matt, we're going to – little Philliness here. You've sensed the Philliness because there's a lot of Philliness in this building. When Coach Reed came, he brought some Philly with him. It's funny, too, because, like, on our production team, there's a lot of people from Philadelphia. We have, like, a Villanova pipeline for whatever reason. So there's a lot of people from Philadelphia or that lived in Philadelphia at some point that are in our production group that uh, worked for the Eagles even at some point. But uh, I totally agree. It's The thing with Coach Reed is he's obviously such a great play caller, right, an offensive genius. He's always been this. But the reason he's such a great head coach is it goes beyond that. It's also he's an incredible organizer and an incredible leader. And it's not just the football team. Like even in the building when we see him, like we know he sees us. Yes. You know, and he'll say hi to you, and he but you also everything he does, and you never want to let him down. Oh, and yep. it's it's because he has such faith in you. You want to make sure you reward that faith, and that goes to everyone in the organization. So uh, having Coach Reed here is just amazing, and I don't play for him, but even seeing him around is just a, a coworker in a sense. I know that he is relying on me, and I do not want to let him down under any circumstances. <laughs> Yeah, and all he has to say is you're better than that, and you're just your microwave popcorn. That's kind of not where we're going here, but a little bit uh, because there's two guys you mentioned in production. Vice President for Content and Production, Rob Alberino, yes. cut his teeth in the National Football League uh, after his time at NFL Films with the Philadelphia Eagles. He brings with him, because of our relationship, a super talented guy named Joey Helder, uh, involved in special projects, like an incredible talent, great passion. He's been around the NFL. He gets it. Okay. Let me just set this up. And then I'm going to look at the uh, – well, I also want to mention this too, the Philadelphia influence on the coaching staff or the football side. Uh, hear me out on this. Andy Reid, of course, Brett Veach, Rick Burkholder, Eric Bieniemy, Steve Spagnuolo, uh, Joe Blamar, Ken Flagel, Mike Frazier, uh, Greg Lewis, Lou Mann, uh, Corey Matai, um, Tom Melvin, Matt Nagy. I'm leaving people out here. Mark Donovan, uh, the Chiefs president, was with the uh, – Eagles, Barry Rubin and strength and conditioning. I'm leaving somebody out. But the point is there's just all these waves of guys from Coach Philadelphia. All right. I'm working on, on a game 
It's late at night, but the Phillies and Padres game is going on, National League Championship Series, right? So I'm working. I got the game behind me, and all of a sudden, bing, bing, it's the Rocky Bells, right? <laughs> and I'm turning around. I go, what's going on? Well, there was two strikes on the Padre hitter which is what the Phillies do when it's two strikes and they go bing, they play those Rocky Bells. It gives me chills even talking about it. So I come back to work the next day, Joey, uh, Joey is in the mini sub with me. I go, man, that's cool. He goes, well, the Eagles do this. They play the clip from Rocky Two. The clip from Rocky Two quickly here for everybody is the fact that Adrian and Rocky, are, they have a new baby now. Yes. Like Rocky's still going to get like punched in the head. And he's got to try to fight the rematch with Apollo. And he's like, hey, Adrian, I'm looking for something else to do because if you don't win, you mix it up with Apollo. That's pretty no, good. Apollo no more is this bad. But <laughs> and she goes – Rock, there's just one thing I want you to do for me. And he leans in, and she goes, win. Win. Yeah. Bing. Yeah. They play those bells. Yeah. It gives me chills. Is that what Tammy and says to you when you leave for work every yeah, day? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> and then I could just, like, and then I, like, bash into the sheetrock, and I got a concussion. <laughs> then he goes, then she goes, win again. And then Mickey the trainer, played by Burgess Meredith, yes, sir. goes, what are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Take this. Yeah, what are we waiting for? So – all fall since then, I've watched that clip like 25 times. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, what does that have to do with defending the kingdom? And I wish I could bring back Burgess Meredith to say, what are we waiting for? Take this. The fact that now the opportunity is there for the Kansas City Chiefs. And when you have a 99.1% chance of winning like the Buffalo Bills did last week and did not, and you have beaten the Chiefs head-to-head, and now you slide back into mm. the second position, and the Chiefs slide into the one position and a chance to put a vice grip on the AFC West this week. The opportunity that's there for the Chiefs. We're going around the world first, but we're going to get into this. What you. are we waiting for? Take this. The bells are ringing, and the opportunity is there, Shot. Well, I mean, personally, in my career, I would say that uh, the only thing I can think that's even close to that is, you know, when I got to the league and I was in training camp, there was a few linebackers and safeties that were ahead of me. There, there, was, there was people ahead of me to keep me off of getting on the field. I was a special teamer. Um, they said I was a little bit undersized to play linebacker. But, but the name that comes up is Jamel Williams. He played at Nebraska, number 22, flip it. He was one of my, you know, a, a great teammate of mine. But – at that point, but I you're realized. you're Richmond, a non-power five-year FCS. Yeah, he's, in Nebra- he's a second-round pick from Nebraska. And then it was another second-round pick from the University of Miami, uh, Tuan Russell. So, so these are the guys that are keeping me off the field. And when I knew I was slotted behind them, I, I knew as we were going through training camp, when they made a mistake, that's when I heard, heard those bells ring. When those mistakes were made, I knew there was a point in time where I could now scoop myself, put myself in front of those guys in some, somebody's eyes, somebody, some some – a evaluator, a coach, somebody who's watching the film can see that, you know what, Barber can play this position. No, he can play He can play it well. And so when those bells ring and it's time for you to get into that front spot, now you got to run with it. And so I never looked back after that point. I always considered myself a starting wheel linebacker from that point on and 10 years later in the NFL. That's what, it, that, that's what those bells mean to me. Opportunities are rare, Matt. They're rare in our side of this business too. And you toiled – uh, basically volunteering time for the volcanoes of Salem Kaiser, yeah. the Salem Kaiser <laughs> volcanoes yeah. of like high a ball eating like the hot dogs. The guys didn't eat. When did the bells ring? Well, it was low a ball as well. And unfortunately that team no longer exists. Uh, Ouch. it Ouch. got contracted, but yeah, you want to work in sports, you know, it's incredibly difficult. Nice. Um, particularly if you want to work for your favorite team one day, like you and I both got so lucky to do. Uh, but you have to, 
grind your teeth at the lowest levels. And you have to be willing to accept that and to do that and to spend years of your life working in low A minor league baseball, you know, with no promises of it ever paying off. And for me, it was when I first uh, got to work my first ever Chiefs game, kind of the way I got there. It's a long story, but I'll try to summarize it. I worked for a couple minor league teams. I worked for a couple major league teams. But even then, once school was over, I didn't have a plan after that. I didn't know what was next. And I knew a guy who worked at the UMKC athletic department, and they needed someone just to volunteer and run stats at basketball games. And I was like, Keywords, volunteer. Yeah, no, I wasn't getting paid. Yeah, Yeah. Uh, I had nothing else to do, and I needed to occupy my time doing something, and why not do do it using sports? Uh, So I was doing that, and after about – I don't know, three weeks of doing that, I got incredibly lucky where the Chiefs needed somebody to come in and essentially just transcribe mm-hmm. and just, just be a guy that would listen to interviews and transcribe. And that's when the bells went off because I was like, oh, man, this is my opportunity. Uh, I got that internship, and the first ever Chiefs game I got to work when I was coming here, not as a fan that paid to come, but I was being paid to come work here. Yes. That's when it re- I realized, like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And I've been so fortunate that that internship turned into a full-time job. And uh, that was several years ago now. Uh, that was in 2016. But that's when the bells went off. And it's preparation meets opportunity, right? I right. worked for so long, just like you did as a player. I worked so long um, in my world, just at the lower levels. And when I finally had a chance, I tried to seize it. Uh, and fortunately, I'm still here. And the bells ringing. So same here. Uh, the fact that I had been involved, I started in junior college right? Football. I'm doing junior college football and basketball, selling advertising, cutting 35 high schools in Pratt, Kansas. I was involved at K-State for 12 seasons, alma mater, right? But I also had to be, I was the sales manager uh, of the entire radio network as well as doing the games. Mm. But a finalist, uh, because there was some interest in what I was doing, I was the last two with Chicago. I was even told I had the job. Wow. Doesn't get it, right? So you get yeah, I think I'm going to make the team, and I get cut. <laughs> a finalist with the Falcons, finalist, final five with the Vikings. Doesn't happen, doesn't happen. I'm doing college basketball, and uh, I actually filled in for Kevin Harlan when he was the voice of the Chiefs. Gotcha. I filled in. I beat 75 people who were auditioning, and I beat them out to do one game. My audition tape for those other jobs was that Chiefs game. Mm. I'm at the carousel with the uh, bags at KCI, and a friend um, – lets me know that Kevin's going to the network. He's going to go do network television. And the bell started ringing. But I had to win the job, right? right. Here comes how many applicants for it. But the bells rang. And now it's my hometown team. Way better. This is a team I grew up with, thinking I'm Lenny Dawson on the farm playing out every game on Sunday. And so the bells ring, and the doors open, and you seize the chance. That's where we're at on this edition of Defending the Kingdom. What are we waiting for? Take this. Because now the Chiefs are hearing the bells ring. They are in the one position, not only in the division, but in the AFC. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're going to get into this more and look at this Charger-Chiefs matchup and how the Chiefs seize this opportunity and go with it. But first, let's go around the world. And uh, who do we have as kingdom defenders around the globe? Well, first of all, what a great cold open that was. That's fun. <laughs> I'm fired up right now. It's only Wednesday. Um, we have 21 today. I know that's a lot. It's an honor of Trent McDuffie because oh, Trent yeah, is back. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. So defended, and he's going to have to be on his game if Mike Williams plays. He will. So right. important game for Trent McDuffie. I have 21. I'll be fast. We have Brenda from Hillsboro, Kansas. Yeah, Trojans. She, she's an avid K-State fan and has been listening to you since you were the voice of the Wildcats. So also, good home of the Tabor yeah. College Blue Jays. Um, we have a fan that goes by the name Chief L.A. 
That's what he goes by. Right. Uh, he was born and raised in California, but now lives in Colorado. Uh, been behind enemy lines most of his life. Uh, Mark Corey, the son of the late Walt Corey. Wow. Yeah. Wow. May he rest in peace. Uh, he reached man. out. Um, Good man. But he's listening in, in Santa Fe, New Mexico, and, and loves the show. So we're thinking of, of your family, uh, the Corey family. Mm. Uh, we have uh, Michael in Little Rock, Arkansas. Joe in Omaha, Nebraska, listens to us on his way to work. Uh, Joseph in Clifton Heights, Pennsylvania. Nancy in Shreveport, Louisiana. Robert in Ogden, Utah. Renee in Union City, New Jersey. Chris in Ridgeland, South Carolina. He served in the Army 82nd Airborne. Ooh, so thank you for real. your service, Chris. Yep, yep. Uh, Will in Arlington, Virginia, a 20-minute walk from the Arlington National Cemetery, which is amazing. I'm assuming you guys have been there. Incredible place. I spent a lot of time there. Yeah. Amazing place. If you, if every American could go there every year, it'd be good. Yeah, amazing place. Um, my uh, great uncle is buried there. Mm. Yeah, amazing place. Uh, we have a listener from Columbia, Missouri, uh, Shad and Lisa Joe in Oxford, North Carolina. Devin in Vancouver, uh, Daniel in Queen Creek, Washington Arizona. or British Columbia? We didn't. BC, we didn't, BC. BC. Okay, yep, Canadian. BC. Good. Yep, up in Canada. Uh, we have Terry in South Dakota, Brandon in Kansas City. He's a combat veteran, so thank you for your service, Brandon. Thank you. Wheat Dog in Bloomington, Illinois, What's aka the, the Next Door Kingdom. Wheat Dog. Uh, we heard from Penny in Calhoun again, and she wanted to mention that her son served in Iraq from 2003 to 2004 and spent 10 years in the National Guard. So, Penny, to your entire family, um, thank you for your service. Uh, we also heard from Jose. He'll be in L.A. to watch the Chargers game with his son, Joseph, and Joseph's girlfriend, Elizabeth. Let's bring back the W, uh, everybody. And lastly, this is for you. We have Justin in north central Kansas. Okay, we've got to <laughs> narrow this down. You can't give a region. It's like me saying I'm from Asia. Like, come on, man. We're in north central Kansas. Didn't specify? No, and, and especially for you, isn't Smith Center in north central yes, Kansas? Yes, it is. Yeah. It's as north and as central as you can get, actually. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be like the capital of north central Kansas, but yeah. i got to know more on that one. Yeah. Another shout-out to uh, <laughs> Benny Thayers, 92 years young, Ipswich, South Dakota. 92 years old. He has been a Chiefs fan ever since the Texans moved to Kansas City to become the Kansas City Chiefs. He was 33 years old. Mm. Now 92 years old in Ipswich, South Dakota. It's been a rough patch for Benny, but surrounded by his family, and they are all loving the Chiefs kingdom up in northeast South Dakota. All right, let's jump in now. To what are we waiting for? I want you to hear Mickey as the bell's ringing like a win, win, go, rock, go win, Rocky. So here are the Chiefs with the bell's ringing. Let's jump in now to the chance they've got against the Chargers. It's laid out. Out there. Chiefs beat the Chargers. They would have a three-game lead over their nearest competitor in the AFC West and with a tiebreaker. That means they would have swept the Chargers. Let's look at this matchup. Bells are ringing for the Chiefs. How do you seize the day and move on, and what are we waiting for? I th well, I think this is a perfect time for us to, you know, put it in all gears, go forward. Um, we, we dibbled and dabbled in some different aspects of the offense, um, using some different weapons. Uh, we had various guys step in due to injury or just being called up. And now on the offensive side of the ball, it's time to see what we look like when it's all systems go. We want, I mean, the Kelsey factor, uh, McCole MVS, if Juju's healthy, let him go. Um, the addition of uh, Tony, the offensive line blocking the way it's supposed to be, and now uh, Pacheco being released in the running game. And then even if we need to go um, to the other running backs, um, 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 Jet and also uh, CEH. Let, let's see what that running back um, room looks like when we're giving them the ball full-fledged and, and all systems go and no more uh, hiccups, no more um, stalling out because of offensive penalties or anything like that. Um, I think this is the time in the season where we, we want to see our, uh, our best uh, step forward. And on defense, 
I mean, it, it's almost like just uh, status quo. We want to see this defense just continue to do what they do, continue to grow trust in, in the way they communicate and the way they trust each other. Um, I, I keep hearing some stats about we're a little bit worried that we're not creating enough turnovers. When you're playing solid football and you're getting three and outs and you're getting off the field due, due to punts, you're, you're making teams um, settle for field goals instead of touchdowns in the red zone, that's winning football. You don't, you don't worry as much about the, uh, you know, the, the, the takeaways and the, and, the, and the turnovers as much when you're playing winning football on the defense side of the ball. And then when it comes to special teams, I think that's probably the one area where we would like to take the next three or four weeks to kind of sharpen our teeth a little bit. Let's continue to um, um, like sharpen that, that, that area of the field, whether it's coverages, uh, being prepared for some of the trickery um, onsides and all that kind of stuff, and then just playing up to our level of capability when it comes to making field goals and fielding punts and things like that. So that's the one phase of, of our team I would love to see at this phase of uh, these next four or five games as we prepare for that home stretch, just to be playing on all cylinders, and let's see what we can really do. Let's play our best football um, in weeks 11 to 16 and prepare for the playoffs. I'm going to tag it with this way and then hang on to – I'm going to come back to you about speed at linebacker and what that means this week and what it meant last the last two weeks. Uh, but the fact that the Chiefs have 41 pass completions of 20-plus yards is mm. number one in the NFL. What's crazy is 10 different guys have completion or catches of 20 yards or more. That's crazy because Tony just added to that list last week. Matt, in this matchup with the Chargers, the bells are ringing. What are we waiting for? Take this. This Chiefs and explosive offense to do it against a Charger defense, which has been perplexing. They have had all kinds of injuries. We understand that. Bosa's been out. Their defensive line, they're getting practice squad guys hurt. But they still have Khalil Mack. They still have very good athletes in the middle and on the back end. But what did this Chiefs offense do to seize the moment and take care of business and beat the Chargers? Well, first of all, my favorite stat this week, and you reminded me of it just now, 10 different players in this offense have also caught a touchdown this mm. season. That's most in the NFL. The NFL record is 13. There's eight games left. <laughs> I mean, well, Sky we'll Moore hasn't more. caught a touchdown yeah. yet. Michael Burton will Michael get Burton, him one. Yep, and maybe a big man touchdown at some point. Yeah, put Allegretti back in and yeah. get him one. Yeah, someone I like else. It. I like that. Yeah, so 10 different players have caught a touchdown on this offense. I think that's the best way to articulate how varied and dynamic this approach is, where if you're a defense, I mean, who are you supposed to stop? And if all these different players can make plays on this team, you can plug Kadarius Toney in in his second game with the Chiefs, and he racks up 90 scrimmage yards and a touchdown? Looks like he's been here all year. He's only been here a couple weeks. So what do the Chiefs need to do? Just keep doing what you're doing. And the beautiful thing about this Chiefs squad is a lot of these guys have been around now, Patrick Mahomes, um, and on defense, guys like Chris Jones and Frank Clark. They have that killer instinct where this is the time of year that they need to play their best football. And they know that, and we've seen that in the numbers in recent seasons. Since 2018, so the Patrick Mahomes era, in November and December, the Chiefs are 30-4. and 30-4. and four. Patrick Mahomes has won 24 straight games in November and December. I don't want to jinx it here, but I'm just saying that they know this is when they have to play their very best football, and consistently they do. So for the Chiefs coming into this game against the Chargers squad that is fighting for their season right now, just keep doing what you're doing and attack it like you always do. And this Chargers defense, they have playmakers. Yeah, Khalil Mack has seven sacks. Derwin James is one of the best defenders in all of football. 
But for whatever reason, injuries and other things, it just hasn't really worked this year for them defensively. They're allowing 25.3 points per game. That's 29th in the NFL. And they are allowing the third most rushing yards per game in the NFL with 147. Uh, They've allowed four rushes of 50 or more yards this year. That's most in the NFL. So they're good. They have talent. We respect these guys. But defensively this year, it hasn't worked for them. And for the Chiefs offensively, it has. It's the number one scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 30 points per game. Keep doing what you've been doing all year long, and you'll leave L.A. with essentially a four-game lead in this division. Yeah, the fourth, they're giving up explosive run plays. That's what's crazy. You mentioned the 450-plusers. The league average is one. One. And they've given up four. Just kind of doesn't add up with them. All right, Shop, what are we waiting for? Seize this. The Chiefs' defense, I'm going to ask you about the linebackers in specific because when I reviewed the video of the last two games, one thing that I felt bad about that I didn't give enough attention and credit to the linebackers, especially in this last game, Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton. Teams run bubble screens. They'll run screen screens. They try to get off tackle and in space. You've got to defend the inside first, but then you've got to scream out there 30 yards to go help on the bubble screen, yes. right? Right. That's tough. Austin Eckler for the Chargers is fifth in the league with 67 catches. We talked about the fact that he's got 81 targets. Like <laughs> He's got as many as Kelsey's got. And yet he's 44th in the league in passing uh, yard, receiving yards. Justin Herbert's very capable, good. He has great games against the Chiefs. He has the highest rating against the Chiefs of any other team that he plays in his career so far, two and three against the Chiefs. Second in the league in attempts, second in completions, 30th in average yards per completion. It's just strange. So Eckler here, I know Mike Williams is coming back. I'm going to get to you in that second. You know Keenan Allen. You know they're going to put everything in this game. But Austin Eckler, the linebackers, the Chiefs, the speed that you're seeing at Willie Gay Jr. and Nick Bolton, what does that team, what does that mean to this team now and moving forward? Well, the one thing about it's so great about getting Willie Gay back is not only what he does on the field, but the energy, the excitement, the emotion he brings back. Um, he's like the energizer bunny out there. And, he, and, and anybody who's been out there who's watched any uh, um, game at GEHA Field, Arrowhead Stadium, when, when you're there, even during warm-ups, Willie Gay is—he's losing his mind. He's—he's he's all over the place. He's—he's he's just a man. He's a Tasmanian devil. And then right before the, the the play starts, before kickoff, he calms it back down. He gets refocused on his uh, eyes are in the right place. And what our guys are doing better than we've seen in the in, you know years past is our guys are playing um, controlled football. They know exactly what gap they're responsible for. And even if we go back to, you know, a few games ago, the big plays we gave up against Tennessee, it was one or two guys running a little bit too far over, cheating his gap, you know, uh, leaking out of his gap. And then that second half we got back to our basics. Everybody know your home gap. If any guard pulls, you go to your secondary gap. It's very simple. It's a very simple equation, but it's very hard to execute. And our guys are executing it. Uh, the communication they're having right now is kind of like twin brothers. It's like they know what each other's thinking out there. Um, and their communication at all-time high. And the way they deliver blows, the way they get downhill and run, you can see the, the, the youth, the energy, the, 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 the downhill striking. Those guys run to the ball and get to the ball pissed off, and they let the other team know about it. And so that, that energy is uh, uh, it spreads throughout the defense. And I love what I'm seeing from those guys. I mean, you know, uh, Bolton is wearing the green dot, communicating the plays. Willie Gay is handling the emotion. And then when it's time to, to, to go 
hunt and attack and get to the ball carrier, those guys are doing it in a pissed-off manner. I love it. They're also enjoying the game. Um, you can just tell from Nick and in talking to him and Willie Gay Jr., they remind me of you, the way they play. They understand the blessing it is to play and to let's have fun doing this okay. and stay within the assignment. But it's just – it's a it, – to me, it's the biggest difference between the 2022 Chiefs and the 2021, 20, and 19 Chiefs. Are those two guys – Throwing Darius Harris, Chanel, all these guys in the in this, but but mainly those two guys. Mm. Their ability to be fast, uh, understand, recognize is big. Let's go to the secondary because I do anticipate, as do you, that the Chargers will get Mike Williams back this week and probably Keenan Allen. They're loading everything into this game. We've seen Palmer be effective. We've seen Carter be effective. Um, not sure they're. I mean, they're a little chopped up at tight end here again. But the fact that the pressure now on these young corners for the Chiefs. Um, and we talked about Trent McDuffie on your trip around the world. Whether it's him or Joshua Williams or Jalen Watson, the Chiefs last week played a lot of that three safety, three corner, sometimes four corner stuff. A lot of those guys are rookies. Here comes Mike Williams again, um, or Keenan Allen. Let's talk about the young guys in the secondary. What are you waiting for? Uh, defend the uh, particularly the long pass. Yeah, and for what it's worth, we don't know that officially yet. This is being recorded on Wednesday. We don't know if Mike Williams or Keenan Allen is going to play. Okay. What we do know, though, is everyone gets healthy against the Chiefs. Yes. <laughs> and especially for this Charger squad that I said earlier is fighting for their season. I'd be shocked if those two don't play. And you're right, it's a great challenge. Mike Williams uh, is one of the tougher players the Chiefs have played against in recent memory. He always seems to have great games against the Chiefs, and we saw that back in Week 2, particularly in the first half. The Chargers haven't seen a fully healthy Chiefs defense yet, though. Uh, in that Week 2 game, we didn't have several guys, including Trent McDuffie. Uh, and guys like Jalen Watson were brand new. Joshua Williams had barely played at all. The fact that so many rookies have played and played effectively on this defense throughout the first half of the season, they're much more better prepared uh, for this matchup. And what I love about guys like Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams is they have tremendous height. We talked about this way back when we drafted these dudes. We talked about Mike Williams specifically, that we have guys that are six foot two, six foot three that can match him in terms of his height, and they're not, you know, shorter corners. So I think that's an advantage that the Chiefs have here in this game. And these guys are playing with confidence right now. The defense has been so good lately, and it has to warm your heart when you're watching uh, Nick Bolton and Justin Reed and some of these yes, guys lay the hits that they're laying. But they're playing so well. The offense gets a lot of credit, and deservingly so. But go back to that Tennessee game. The Chiefs don't win that game if the defense didn't play like it did in the second half. And last week against Jacksonville, Travis Etienne comes in here as one of the best young running backs in the NFL. Five straight games with 100 yards from scrimmage. He never got going in that game, and that was a complete team effort uh, defensively for the Chiefs. Uh, from the front, the defensive line, the linebackers, and the secondary. So the defense is playing really well right now. This is going to be one of their tougher challenges they've had uh, this season overall. Um, but I, I think they're really well positioned to, to succeed and, and compete against a, a Chargers offense that isn't quite what we expected this year. And we can talk about Herbert a bit more later on. Um, but they're very talented, and you can't dismiss that. Yeah, let's just close out as we go. We'll take one more spin around the block here, but some numbers to consider. This is, this is enormous for the Chargers. Right, this is like a playoff game for them. Yes. Um, let's just take Justin Herbert. He's twenty and twenty-one in this league. Very talented, we know that. But he's twenty and twenty-one. He wins, the, beats the Chiefs. He goes three and three against the Chiefs. He's twenty-one and twenty-one in his career. The Chargers, since they started eight and five last year, are six and seven. And remember how their league, or the league, how their year ended last year, when they had the disappointing loss to the Raiders and didn't even make the tournament. 
All that comes into play here for the Chargers in this Sunday night game. Mm-hmm. So one more thought as we close things out here. What are you waiting for? Well, I just want to know if the, the, the Chargers are even confident in who they are. I, I think that the Chargers have an identity crisis. Like, are they the team that's willing to follow their head coach on any fourth and goal or any fourth down? Or are they a team that want to take – They went for it. They've gone for it 19 times this year. Or, or is it the, the quarterback they trust? Or is it Eckler they trust? Or is it the, 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 the length of the receivers or the routes that, um, you know, Keenan Allen – like, who are we? Who are, who, who are the Chargers as an organization? And I think you see glimpse of hope, glimpse of hope. But I think even in their building – no one can answer the question. And when you play against a team like the Chiefs, the one thing you better know is you better know who you are mm-hmm. because they're going to make you doubt yourself over and over and over throughout the ball game. And what happens usually is that little bit of doubt creeps in, and that's when the Chiefs, before you know it, run up 40 points on you. And it happens almost every game. Because it seems like there's more hope externally when they talk about the Chargers than there might be internally, right? Because mm-hmm. we hear all the chatter and talk about them throughout the last two off seasons. And a couple thoughts here, because the Chargers are truly a conundrum this season. They're a very interesting and strange study, because if you look at Justin Herbert, last year, even though the wins and losses weren't always there, the talent clearly is, and his numbers typically backed that up as well. He averaged well over seven yards per attempt last year, a bunch of touchdowns, all that stuff. Since week five, he's averaging 5.45 yards per attempt. That is the lowest rate in the NFL among quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts in that time he has five touchdown passes four interceptions a passer rating of 79 he just hasn't been himself and I don't know if it's the injury in week two I don't know if it's the injuries at wide receiver but the offense is not what I think people expected it would be coming into this season and it has not been a situation where Justin Herbert's put everyone on his back and he's chucking it deep downfield and and all that that's just not happening now I'll give them credit because they're five and four and they've found a way, and they have hung on yes, despite a lot of losses, yep. and I, I do respect that. I mean, they're minus 28 in point differential. Their last three wins have c- come by a combined eight points. They have found a way, and they're, they're in this situation, and they're in this position, and they fought against the Niners hard last week. I'll yep. give them a lot of credit for all of that. But they have not shown yet as a team that when it is crunch time, do they have the confidence to come through in this time of year. Mm-hmm. And maybe one day they will. But so far, they have not done that, and the Chiefs have consistently. And hopefully that uh, repeats itself here, and the Chiefs are able to continue that, uh, and the Chargers aren't. But that's my question for the Chargers, is you have a lot of talent and a lot of great players, but at what point do you find a way and and pull it up and win games when you have to in the second half of the season? And they're a young team that's still trying to find that answer. The collective record of the teams of their five wins this year are 13 wins, 26 losses, and a tie. And yet they've grounded out to win enough of those games to keep this going. He's Sean Barber, the barbershop, the Spider-Man. He is senior team reporter Matt McMullen. Now you know you hear the bells. Are you hearing the bells? Then what are you waiting for? Ten, five, touchdown! Lock it down! And the celebration begins at Arrowhead. 